When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Hey, Bruins fans, uh, welcome back for episode 81 uh, in partnership with Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. Uh, we are back together again. Um, we've uh, got a few topics that we've got to touch on that are, are pretty interesting. Um, starting, I mean, not interesting as in as in happy, happy stuff. Um, we got to start the show with uh, the the. The word, I mean, last week was just a tough week for Bruins hockey. Um, Matt, uh, Charlie McAvoy um, on the on November 26th uh, noticed that he was having uh, heart problems. Uh, Palpitations. And, yes, that's what it is. And uh, addressed it to team doctors, and they were monitoring him for uh, quite some time, but uh, chose to have the procedure done. Um, early last week, or early this week, I'm sorry, and uh, it was successful. Everything was fine, great success. He's going to be out for two weeks. Um, this is a little concerning, and I'm mm. and I'm not I'm not very familiar with a lot of the medical stuff. Um, maybe one of you two guys have have some input on it. I've had the surgery personally. Oh, yes. So. <clears throat> 
Um, I have a condition called mitral valve prolapse where the blood goes through my heart twice before it actually um, goes back into my body. So it gets regurgitated in. Um, I was having heart palpitations years ago. Uh, my cousin actually had the same surgery too. Um, it's very um, no big deal, to be totally honest with everybody. Um, people really shouldn't worry in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they they go in through your groin. There's a the person's awake the whole time. Um, they they burn off the node. And that's about it. It's just an extra. It's uh, it's something that's it's a node that's in your heart that's making your heart beat. Um, how to explain it with in, in layman's? It it just makes the heart beat extra than what it's supposed to do. So you'll get heart palpitations and you'll have. Um, in in my case, um, I was getting coming getting panic attacks from it. Wow. Um, yeah, it sucks. Um, uh, they burned off the node. Um, it's gotten a lot better. Like I, I didn't play hockey for a couple of years just because it, I, I was worried. I didn't know anything. I got scared. It's really not that big of a deal. I, I, I walk around every day. I'm fine. I still play hockey. Well, not lately because of my concussion, but I'm fine. Um, it really shouldn't be anything to worry about with regards to Charlie McAvoy nothing to worry about it's just it's routine like it's very routine now there's a difference if i'm i I did a little reading about it not i didn't really dive into it uh fully but it is an svt and a pvt correct uh i guess all i know is i have i i got the node burned off i can't remember what i think it was my my Heart condition was called mitral valve prolapse. Okay. Everybody has a different one, right? It's it's um, and, and unfortunately in my family it's genetics. Um, like I said, my cousin had the exact same thing, uh, where you think um, your heart is racing and it's racing because there's an extra node there that's making it do that. Um, if he the surgery from what I read, and he just got the node burned off, I really really want to stress no big deal. They say it can't come back. They say it's percentage-wise. My cousin had it had it come. Well, he thought it came back. Um, it's not to say that it won't come back, but uh, burning off the node usually is like I think it's over ninety percent. That uh, it's no big deal. I, I really want to stress that it's really nothing to worry about. Trust I'm me, just, I'm able I'm... to drink. I'm able to do anything in my life normally. It's just he he because he's a professional athlete. That's why, because they go in through the groin, that's the only reason he can't go back out there, just to let you know. Otherwise, he could probably play hockey a couple days after. I'm just glad that he actually said something now and didn't wait. Like, with us being so far ahead in points, I think it's good that he gets it done at a time like this, uh, and then he's ready to go for the preseason, and he's got... Plenty of time back before the preseason to get used to it again. So, 100%, yeah. I, I, I'd prefer guys to now step up and say, look, I've got this this injury. I need sorting now. I'd rather they do it now than later on. You don't want to miss, you don't yeah, my, miss guys in the playoffs again. My only thing is, why didn't they do it before? the break, but maybe they looked at the schedule after the break and they were like, if we can just get him for this week and then do the surgery because there are less games in the next two weeks. Yeah. You look at the schedule, maybe they did it that way because from my experience and everybody's experience is different. I'm not saying that I had, cause I didn't have the exact same, um, 
condition, um, you know that you have to get this surgery. Yeah. It's not, it's when they found in November, they were probably like, you can either have it now or you can wait. And I'm sure that he started having palpitations again. They're like, we need to do it now. Cause it's, it's more, um, it can, it can seriously hurt the person, but it's also, I really stress the, the, the mental aspect in the person's head when this is happening. I can, I can tell you both right now, you feel like you're having a heart attack. It sucks. Wow. That's scary. Especially if you're yeah. playing professional hockey. Yeah. 22 minutes a night. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, and then if you get like some of the side effects are panic attacks and they anxiety attacks, whatever people want to call them, those are absolutely terrible. I wouldn't wish, wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. And the, to no. probably segue into the next section. Um, I don't think they knew Brad Marchand was, well, they, they couldn't have known that he was going to be out. So it wasn't like you were losing two of your top stars like they knew they were losing two. They only thought they were going to lose uh, McAvoy for, what is it, two weeks that he's out? Yeah. Yeah. I, my so. assumption is he's back for the game against Toronto. Yeah. If you're doing, because I, I can, I'm telling you right now, a lot has to do with where the procedure happens. Think about it. He's getting an incision in his groin, and they have, um, it's like a, it looks like a wire almost, but it's, and it goes up through the groin, and that's, and they literally burn off the node. So he had an incision in his groin, and as you know, skating in your groin has a lot to do with it. Like, is what it is. Yeah, it's 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 tough to have a a, a, a such a talented kid be out for that amount of time. But it, your health is the most important. So we we definitely reach out to uh, Charlie and and wish him the best. Um, uh, before we go any further, I, I, I totally forgot to mention, um, late, stay tuned later on after after our first hour. Uh, we have the uh, fabulous Lauren Campbell. I interviewed her. Uh, she's always a great guest. And, and I also interviewed first-time guest uh, Anthony uh, Kwiatkowski of uh, Bruins Network. Uh, he was uh, another great, great um, um, talk. And uh, he updated me and, uh, and he's going to update you guys on the – the happenings of certain players down in Providence. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah. So uh, Brad Marchand. Now this is the this is the tough one for me because I I am absolutely disgusted with this guy's um, play. You know, he is a actions. Uh, yeah, his actions. I'm sorry. He's such a great, talented, fast individual. You know, I know he wears that that his his team right on his chest. You know what I mean and but some of his actions are getting a little ridiculous and it's starting to become a year by year issue. Um, and I don't give a, I really don't care what anybody says. That was, he knew what he was doing. Oh yeah. You throw yeah. an elbow like that. You know what you're doing. That is not, that's, you know, you're not preparing yourself for a hit. Because you're, he should have, one person pointed out the, the fact that he is a lot shorter yet. He had to, if you were doing that and you were getting out of the way of the goalie, you would have went downwards, not upwards. Like you go up for that second, but there's no reason for your elbow to go up in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. And and you know the, I understand the game's fast, it's second decisions, but you know that's that's kind of tough for a guy to come back from a concussion. Uh, am I wrong? That didn't Marcus Johansson just come back from one? Yeah, I believe yeah, that it's. Was, that I was believe his it's first game, but. I think. That was his really, first game I, back. 
Yeah. I, I believe he's had three in his career now. This will be his third yeah. concussion. Yeah. So, ultimately, I mean, he, Brad got five games, uh, deservingly so. That, that's yeah. that's just my opinion. And I think that's he, he could have had more. Yes. I really think they could have given him a bigger one as a warning because they've been they seem to have been making examples out of players like that recently. So, now to play. To play devil's advocate, the one thing I, I, I will say, yes, he definitely got five because who he is, because what he's done. This is his eighth infraction. I think he's had six suspensions and eight times either fined in total. Um, if you remember, I wrote an article last year when I uh, talked about is the is the good outweigh the bad, and everybody jumped on me and said I was a, a terrible person for going after Marshan for that. And I wasn't going after him. I just still to this day feel that one year we missed the playoffs by the tie. Brad Marchand that year had, what, 10 games and suspensions in total? Or eight or something like that? Conveniently, we missed on a tie. I'm pretty sure we would have made the playoffs if he played a game that year. Um, it's just the Dustin Brown thing. And then, I don't know if you guys saw the Corey Parry thing against uh, Pittsburgh the other night. Um, nothing even happens. Now, because Brad Marchand is Brad Marchand, he got five. It probably only deserved two or three. For the incident, but because he he's a, a repeat offender, he's five. If he does something stupid like that again, he could get he could get the uh, the the Torres treatment and uh, miss half a season. He's got to watch what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, they definitely got their eyes out for him, and and history is just re- you know repeating itself. It just seems, and and like you said, it's just gonna, the games are just going to amount to more and more every time he does a stupid thing like this. I believe it's over eight. Like his fines in total so far to pay for my new house that I just bought. Nice. So, oh, you got the house. Yes, I just bought a new house. Congratulations. Cool. Yeah, Thank you. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. Hmm. Mega so, mega kegger at the uh, at the little lawn house. Yeah, I doubt that one, but yeah. <laughs> well, I had to try. <laughs> hey, hey, fair enough. Hey. Um, but it's just. Saying that the NHL is looking after it, I still feel they're inconsistent because that Dustin Brown thing was terrible. Uh, the earlier, the beginning of the year, um, Nazem Kadri took a huge elbow to the head, and nothing was no penalty, no nothing. Um, and especially, I don't know, you guys have to see it. It's all, it's all over Twitter. The the Corey Perry thing from the other night against Pittsburgh is absolutely the player doesn't even have the puck. He goes out of his way to take his head off and looks at him before he does it. No penalty, no nothing. Oh, yeah. Doesn't uh, does Corey Perry have any history? Yes, he does. So he's been suspended before. I think, I think Corey so. Perry's dirtier than Brad Marchand. It's just oh. Marchand unfortunately gets suspended for it, and Perry gets off a lot. I, th- I think Perry gets away with it a lot because he's known as a pure shooter, so people don't think of him as that dirty type. It's like yeah. Ryan Kessler. Kessler does dirty things all the time, but people look at him as a as a really good defensive sentiment so he kind of gets away from the whole like Marshan's called the rat for a reason like everyone knows him <laughs> as the rat so you know what you're getting with him yeah like when you Marchand. say Zach Ronaldo do you know what who Zach Ronaldo is everyone just goes oh yeah he's that moron so yeah but I think this will change Marshan a bit and especially if they lose a game during this time that he's out in regulation, anyway. Yeah, I they, just... 
if they snap that streak while he's not playing, uh, I think he'll hear a lot about it. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to learn because what he said was the exact same thing he said the last time. I embarrassed my teammates, so on and forth. It just seems like it's a broken record. But the the crazy thing about Marshan is he's a superstar in this NHL. As much as you know, people not around Boston area um, don't think so. But that's what they keep saying on the news here in Toronto. Like he's a he's a top five player in the league. And, and ever if he since does it, the, he doesn't uh, do this incident. Yeah. Well, cool. that that brought him out into the forefront to let everybody else know who he is. Oh, that's when I had friends going, oh, my God, that guy's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've had people say to me, oh, I'd never have him on my team. And then I said, if Pittsburgh could get Bergie and him to recreate what they did in the Olympics, they'd do it in a heartbeat. Oh, they would. They, they, uh, Doug McClain was talking about it on Sportsnet. There is not one GM in the NHL that wouldn't be all over that. Yeah. Wouldn't even think twice. You're like, where where do I sign up? Bring him on to my team. The good does the end all end all. The good does it does outweigh the bad, but the bad is getting a little ridiculous. Yeah. And like you said, he says the same thing every time. It's like he's got a script for when he does something wrong. And when a player has that same script for each time they have a problem then you know that it's a reoccurring thing and it's gonna keep reoccurring so that's yeah like i i was at the ottawa game right before the winter classic and i can tell you i was i was in the alumni box and the former bruins players they were up there were shaking their head and had nothing nice to say about what they just witnessed on the ice yeah that's unfortunate um uh, last week's games, obviously the uh, the Boston Bruins uh, played on Tuesday night at home. They won three to two in that game that Brad Marchand was um, suspended, and they played on Thursday night in Ottawa. Um, uh, another win against a team that w- was uh, pretty much dominant in the uh, in the playoffs last season. So it's nice to see um, a time to change. So you don't really see that 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 lobbed stretch pass from Ottawa anymore. It's almost like the Bruins are really tightening up on, on that and, and keeping their legs with them. So um, hopefully we we'll see more of that if they match up again. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to match up two more times. And going into next uh, or next week, actually, today is Saturday, uh, the Bruins are uh, home for a three-game homestand starting on Tuesday against the Anaheim Ducks. And Thursday night against the St. Louis Blues and Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it's going to be an interesting week. Um, if they keep plugging away like this, I, I could actually see them playing very well against all these teams. Um, you know, St. Louis has, a, has, that, has had a decent season, but they're up and down too. Um, speaking of St. Louis, did you guys hear about that trade? Rumor? Yeah, the trade rumor. I'm sorry, sorry. The That's uh, all right. the they was that Jay Callen one. No. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They, the, Jay uh, Callen, Robert Saint, Thomas. The, yep. Yeah. yeah, your favorite uh, player. I would. I'd like. Yeah, that I, I, I like him. I'm not going to Barzell the whole thing, but I wish the Bruins have took him. Right. I I really like the idea of that trade to get Price out of Montreal, um. And it means that I could actually cheer for a goalie that I actually like in real life. <laughs> Problem is, is I have. So, 
And to be to be honest with you, they're talking about it on on the Toronto media on the radio and such. People are like, "Oh, that's not enough to get Price." I think you could add, you know, a first round pick, Robert Thomas, who played great in the World Juniors, you know, the uh, gold medal Canada team, um, and Jake Allen. That's that's a pretty good. It's not. Uh, it's way better than what they got for Patrick Waugh back in the day. The Tebow uh, terrible trade. Oh yeah. Like it's it's that's that's some pretty good pieces. Like Thomas could be a, a second uh, second line center. Alec Krejci, like he's he's a good player, up and coming. And then you got Jake Allen, who's not a bad goalie. He just, uh, you know, having a tough year. That's all. And if they put in that first round pick and maybe another piece, that deal could be done. If that trade does fall as well, there'll be a lot that'll generate a lot of talk around the league for how much players are worth as well. Not even that. That that automatically, in my mind, makes St. Louis a contender for the Stanley Cup. Oh, yeah. Okay. Price on any other team in the NHL right now makes them a Stanley Cup finalist, I think. Just like our number one goals against average team in the Boston Bruins, you know, because we had terrible goaltending, according to fans at the beginning of the year, um, or trade <laughs> rask or anything, there would be uh, 29 other teams in the NHL that would take Tuka Rask. In oh, a heartbeat. yeah. In, yeah. If you guys saw, did you notice that on some of the ballots for the midseason awards by the the Writers Association that uh, Tukarask had Vezina votes? But, oh, you know, not... oh, um, he did. Is it the Jennings where it's the best? Yeah, as of right tandem. now, right now, yeah. if the season ended, the the Jennings Award would go to the Boston Bruins. Oh, yeah. it has to. Like they have. No, equal... it goes by goals against. It it yeah. goes by whoever's in first, and right now. The Boston Bruins the have a 2.43 goals against average yeah. as a team. And um, don't isn't it Tuka and Hudobin who have exactly the same save percentage? I'm oh, sure okay. that like after the game the other night they have exactly the same save percentage. Two seconds. And then it's the first time someone put like it's the first time in 40 years that. It's happened or something? Where it's uh, there, so. Well, not anymore. Tuka right now is a 9.22, and Hudobin is a 9.24. Oh. And then Tuka's goals against is 2.16, and Hudobin's is 2.38. That is crazy numbers. Oh, it's amazing numbers. Yeah, they, they, could, they, they could easily share that Jennings. Oh, yeah. Well, if they if, continue at the pace they are, they're going to win the Jennings. Right. right. Yeah, because the Jennings is for the, the partnership, isn't it? It's not right. just well, for... A single goalie. It can go, yes, it can go to a single goalie, but if if you match up that close, it can be shared. Like, like usually it's shared. Like Tim Thomas and Manny Fernandez shared it once. Oh. Reggie Lemelin and uh, and Andy Moog. Yep, yep. So, um, another thing that happened uh, um, this week um, was uh, Mark Savard, uh, former Boston Bruins player. Unfortunately, um, ended his career uh, with a head injury uh, to the uh, jackass actions of uh, a player like Matt Cook. Um, and 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 listening just, to just a, to say technically what Brad Marchand done is just as bad. I know, and and you know you could throw the comparisons out there that you know there's there's one person that I talked to on Twitter that, that said that the comparison is kind of asinine. I, it's not. I, I, you know, it, and he's just saying it because 
of the injury, what happened. Brad Marchand has not injured anybody that's going to be out for a length length of time like like Matt Cook did. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hold on. Johnson right now has a concussion. We we don't know when he's coming back. Exactly. I can tell you right now, I suffered a concussion two weeks ago. I woke up today for the first time without a headache and without wanting to throw up. Like today was the first day I woke up and I was like, oh, I feel actually I can get up without a headache and feel nausea. So like that's how bad they are. They yeah, suck. no, I, I I completely understand. And but leading up to the actions of what Brad Marchand did earlier this uh, this week is the exact same thing that the league is trying to get away from. So when you you can compare him to that, I mean, regardless of the length of injury and and end of careers, it, it's the, it's just the point of it, the intentional actions that uh, that these players are bringing on to themselves. So. I just don't understand it. But anyway, let's get uh, to, to a, a happy moment about Mark Savard's career. I heard it all week on podcasts. I heard it on Spit and Chicklets. I heard it on 31 Thoughts uh, with uh, with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman. Um, so, and he, great interviews. Sounds like he's doing so much better. Uh, he's coaching uh, a junior club in Ontario, I believe. And then, I think, yeah. And, uh, you know, he still has good and bad days. I mean, this is probably something that's going to be with him for the rest of his life. So, but he's making positive strides with it. And, uh, and you know, he was a good player. Uh, the guy was the master of the sauce pass. Um, and, and I thought it was funny that on some of these, uh, uh, like a spit and chicklets, um, uh, Ryan Whitney was talking about taping the stick, and and if he if he walked by a player in the locker room and saw a messed up stick, he'd take it away from him and retape it. <laughs> it was it was funny, you know what I mean? It was just a really good thing, and you know a lot of positive things came out of his interviews. So I I, I really wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Um, I think he's gonna want to get into coaching um, a little more, but he's starting off on a on a low. Um, a low pace right now and, and he, with aspirations of, of um, getting to the pro level. So um, who knows? He might, he might find a fit as a, as a power play coach uh, with the Boston Bruins in the, uh, in the short term. So I'll tell you what, he is my favorite Bruin of this era of the Bruins by far. I, I absolutely love the guy. I think he's one of the best like professionals off the ice you'll ever meet. Uh, I just, hope that he has a great career outside of actually play because it sucks when a guy ends his career not on his terms right and you never want to see it and I, I said it when um what was the player in montreal that got injured off that shot oh uh, I, can't, I can't remember what his name is but that's like stuff like that you never want to see a guy get horribly injured off something that can end someone's career. And that was just a harmless slap shot, really, from Char. It wasn't, like, anything malicious. So uh, I hope all the best of him. And I love the fact that his Twitter profile picture is still him as a Bruin. Yeah. And nothing else. Yeah, he's, <laughs> a, this team. he's a tremendous golfer, too. Uh, yeah. I, I think he could possibly... Um, if, you know, if the pro, if if coaching in the pro levels or or even the uh, the junior, uh, major juniors in Canada uh, don't work out, I mean, he definitely has a has a, a potential to be a, um, a Canadian professional golfer. So, um, 
I wish I could have a game like that. I mean, his handicap's ridiculous. So, I uh, definitely wish him the best. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Savard and, and an article that was written by Lauren Campbell later on. So, um, While we're talking about Savard, though, can I just say, Pasternak has become the best passer on the backhand the Bruins have had in a long time. He can't pass it forehand for some reason, but backhand, he can make some nasty dishes. He made one the other night um, for the goal in Ottawa, I think it was, where he backhanded it across. That was a really nice pass. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what that vibrating noise is, Court. It's driving me crazy. I can't even hear it. Anyways. All right. Um, Jake DeBrusque, uh playing so, so well this year. Um, he, I think he had the game winner against New Jersey. I believe. No, the Ottawa game. No, he got the game winning goal. He discussed it. In- oh, no, it's the yeah, Ottawa game. Sorry. Ottawa. Sorry, I'm just Def- I'm lo- I'm Definitely lost. the Ottawa game. That's okay. I'm here. He, it was assisted by Spooner and Miller. It was the uh, shot off the side. Um, shouldn't have went in, but it did. Yeah. But for the hard work that he does out on that ice, the two way game, and also people got to start seeing how good of a pick he ended up being. As much as everybody wants the Barzell, and if it's funny how if you look back at that draft, it's not just Barzell. There's also Bozer. There's there's some good guys that they passed over. Um, but DeBrusque, he is so strong on the puck that he is just going to get better. Like, I don't think people understand. He's got 11 goals, which is a rookie season, which also ties Tyler Sagan and Phil Kessel, what they did in their rookie year. And Danton Hyden does too. So they're both tied what Sagan and Phil Kessel did in their rookie years. Oh, those are crazy numbers. So Jake DeBrusque is going to be phenomenal. I, I, I can't say enough great things about this kid and how strong he is on the puck and how in the corners, how he's, he's able to generate plays. Like, did you guys see the pass and play between him and Krejci the other night? Yes. And unfortunately uh, it got messed up by Spooner, who's actually phenomenal while passing the puck, but unbelievable little, little um, passing play out there. It was awesome to see. Yeah. And how, how strong DeBrusque is on the puck is, it's got to go back to, um, his father, and when he played in the league uh, as a as a resident tough guy for the Edmonton Oilers and the and the uh, then Phoenix Coyotes, um, but I mean, the pedigree is there, the talents there, the speeds there. He's got good hockey IQ. Uh, he reads the play very well. Um, his father wishes he was as good as hockey players. As oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, his dad was was like I said, it was a tough guy, so. Skill was limited to um, end of the bench minutes, um, only pretty much needed when he needed to stir some something up. So um, I, I just I've liked this player since the, the since the pick. Um, it, he's just fun to watch. I mean, and he's, he's he improves almost every game. So I mean, his career in black and gold is is just going to be a, a great thing to watch. And I'm looking forward to it. And, and others that are coming through the prospect pool, 
um, that we're going to see in the next uh, inserted into the lineup in the next few seasons. So exciting times. I mean, it, it not only are the Bruins like just kicking ass, um, which again, I didn't see this in October, the beginning of October. I didn't see this at all, but how they're putting it together with the direction of Bruce Cassidy is just something that is, is, is making league news. We've, we've talked the past couple of weeks about how much Toronto and, and Sportsnet and, Kiprios and all, all CBC, all these guys are really jumping on this bandwagon, and it's good to have the recognition. I mean, this is a, an original six franchise, but after the past couple of years, this is so positive, and I'm loving it. Like a McDonald's Big Mac. I'm loving it. Wow. Yeah, I know. That was bad. Yeah, it sounded gross, too. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't eat McDonald's. It's disgusting. <laughs> I just had McDonald's like two hours ago. Oh, poor Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to feel it now. <laughs> Good luck, pal. <laughs> but but it, it's. I I also want to go into the fact of how crazy it is that you know we outshoot Ottawa 44 to to 23 and we win the game 3-2. When you watch the game, Con Condon played played phenomenal. But then in the New Jersey game, we're outshot. What was it, 20 to six in the first period? Like, whew. Like, they were just all over us, yet we somehow were finding ways to win the game. Yeah, shots on goal in total for the Devils game was 39 for New Jersey, 24 for Boston in total. We're still winning face-offs. Um, in the Ottawa game, we had four penalties. Ottawa only got one. Um, it seems to, but in the New Jersey game, it seemed to be equal. It's just uh, we're finding ways to win games. And I was saying to, I think I was saying to you, Mark, where last year at this time, we were finding ways to lose the game. Yeah, I'm exactly. not as I'm not having I don't know, I'm sure um, Rob can uh, attest I'm not having the heart palpitations in the last minute that I used to have to, just to coin a phrase the McAvoy um, not scared in the last minute like I used to be well they used it used to get to the point where you were one or two goals down and you just thought there's no they're not coming back from this but now they can be three goals down and I'm like right there's one period left they could score four goals easily in the next period. Like, and I think no, no one's switching the TV off anymore and going, you know what, the game's done in the second period. It's seven games in a row now that the opposition team scored first. Yeah. yeah. I believe it's either six or seven. I think it was we tied the record before the Ottawa game and then Ottawa scored first and we won. So that means they have the record for, you know, a weird one. It's a weird record to have, but... Uh, is but what it is. It just it just proves that this team is is gets together and 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 gels. It, 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 they don't get down after the first goal. It's not the end of the world. This this team finds a way to either get get to the first period, the first intermission, and and talk about it, and come out in the second period and get a couple goals and and hold the lead. So yeah, I'm I'm not having the hot competitions either. Um, it it's they play a better sixty minute effort that I've seen in the past couple seasons. Um, and and working for one each other for one another is 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 very important. So, um, fourteen zero and four in the last eighteen games, tied tied for second for the longest point streak in franchise history. Yeah, and I'm looking. Uh, and, and speaking of streaks and so on, I'm looking at the consecutive decisions with at least one point for Bruins goaltenders, and Tuka Rask is uh, 
in 18 games, 16-0-2. And that's a stretch from November 29th of last last year to today. And and in stretches like that, he's up there in some pretty decent company in Bruins history uh, with like Ron Graham, Frank Brismick, Pete Peters, and Jerry Chivas. And Jerry Chivas had a 24-0-8 record from November 14th, 1971 to March 25th, 1972. And then your buddy Pete Peters with the 26-0-5. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I just had this exact same stat in front of me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, great minds think alike. So, it, 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 uh, goaltending is so huge these days, and 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 building from the to the crease out just seems to work. And and it's it's just it's coming to fruition now that this is happening with the young the insertion of young players, and it's just it's so exciting to see. Um, so I just want we just want to be clear. Tuca's won the big games this year. Um, we just throw out all those things now. Like as much as they've tried, it's kind of funny. You see it on, you see everybody now and then. They're like, "Well, he was supposed to do that." Come on, people. Right. Like around the league, they all want him. He has got the best numbers career-wise of any goalie that's in the league. I think I really, I, I would love to say that it's put to bed, but I really think it'll never go away because the first time they lose, you know that those jackals are just gonna be all over them. Just roar. <laughs> he sucks. He sucks. I'm the I'm the number one Bruins fan. I can say he sucks. I'm calling it like he is. I, I, I said <sighs> I said on Facebook. Uh, uh, my friend Jen commented something about where the hate is now, and I said, "Look above. They're circling like turkey vultures, waiting for him to oh. make a mistake, and then they're gonna pounce on him like like there's no tomorrow." Oh, for sure. Just, I... If if Kudobin loses the first game in regulation, you'll not hear a thing. Uh, if Rask loses it, you're just going to see hit. Yeah. And that's the worst thing about it. And, I, and it sounds terrible. I really think it, and I don't, I don't know why I think this. Their first loss is going to be a blowout. They're going to get just dummied. Yeah, it happens. don't know why. Yeah, come on now, people. It's It's been a, 18 games in a row. Right. Come on, that's a lot. And it'll probably be against a team that's not doing very well. And oh. has lost a few in a row. And you can you can see it, because every game we're getting scored on first in the last six, and every single time you see on social media, Twitter, whether it be Facebook, they're like, oh, this team's back to sucking again. I'm like, wow, people. You just went from moron to bigger moron when you say things like that. Oh, Like I said last week, I just delete or mute anybody that says yeah. something stupid when I see it. and It's just gone. I just, no need for it anymore. Um, one thing I thought that I wanted to talk about that I thought was really, really cool. Um, and I met this gentleman and he was, he's just a fantastic individual. And that's Matt Grizzlick's father. Um, one of the original members of the bull gang and, uh, the bull gang, if nobody knows what that means, it's, it's, uh, when the Bruins have like an afternoon game at 1 PM and then the Celtics have a game at 7 PM. Those guys were in charge of taking the parquet floor or putting it down, and, you know, so uh, real valued asset in Boston for many years. I know he's retired now, but uh, it was kind of funny that he was at, uh, I believe he was at the TD Garden, and he was going through a box and happened to open it up and found Willie O'Ree's jersey from way back in, like, the 50s. 
I'm not sure what year uh, he was. Um, it was actually worn, but uh, he actually presented it to him with Matt, uh, his son, um, to Willie. And uh, I thought that was a really special moment uh, for Willie, who uh, recently celebrated 60 years of, um, of, of, you know, being the first black player in the NHL. And I, I'm still one. Uh, I, I really. Wow. Warp speed, Mr. Sulu. <laughs> yeah. Get, Mark, did you just make a Star Trek joke? I did. All right, that's all I got to say. It's full oh. game now, Rob. Oh, Star come Wars, on. Everything. No, <laughs> no unrealistic crap on this show. No, you just started it. <laughs> Open the door. Um, no, can, you just, can you just use the force to turn that down? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I learned a very valuable lesson here today, folks. <laughs> um no but uh going back to willie i really 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 want to see this guy um get into the hockey hall of fame as a builder um i know his career was short with the bees his nhl career particularly um so he's really not going to get the notoriety of a stanley cup winner or a a 25-year career like many others um get after the you know after their time before they get inducted into the Hall of Fame, but if 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 a guy like um, Jeremy Jacobs, the owner of the Bruins, can get in as a builder, and and he does, Jeremy's done great things. Um, Court, you you mentioned that not too long ago. Um, regardless of of what you think of him, um, I think He's done good things for the game, just like Gary Batman. I, I posted it today. I'm like, oh yeah, everybody oh. loves to boo him, just to let everybody know behind closed door, every single player that is now retired from the NHL in the last couple of years and the ones who are playing now, owe their new salaries and everything for that man. So, And they actually treat him like that. I've been to an event where they're all clapping for Gary Bettman. All former players all think he's a great man. So every time there's a GM of any league, NFL, doesn't matter. I'm on. It, come on, people. And Willie Reed, yes, 100% is a builder for what he's done for the community, what he's done for um, being the first black player to play in the NHL as a pioneer, and what he's done since for – for kids and everybody else, yes, he deserves to be in. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, you know what? We got to touch on this too. Uh, I forgot to mention it when we were talking about Brad Marchand, but uh, he is—he's going to the All Star game. Um, the yeah, the, the All Star game. He's not going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the suspension uh, did not do anything to him about this. Uh, this event, so there's nothing in the rule books. That's right, right. So, I, I not very often is that guy who's going to make the All Star game getting suspended for five games for being an idiot. Right. Yeah. I just and it's I, funny because Jonathan Quick turned down the All Star game because he's injured, and then got suspended for it. Yeah, but as a goalie, it actually works out perfectly, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, the same so. thing happened to. Uh, Sidney Crosby, when he didn't want to go, he got suspended for one game. Yeah, but the thing with Crosby is he he wasn't hurt. I think the thing with Quick is he's got a bit of a nagging injury, but just wants to take the time off to rest. Right. So it's a bit strange. Yeah, but a, a goalie being out one game or suspended for one game is yeah, not that doesn't really deal. matter. No, no, it really doesn't. Because the backup just plays, so exactly. it's fun. Like Malkin, you know, they're all like, 
I'm surprised Crosby didn't take a. Be in all fairness, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna watch the skills comp today. I am not watching the game on Sunday. I couldn't care less. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It's true. I'm a huge hockey fan. The All Star Game doesn't interest me in any way, shape, or form. It could be three on three. It could be one on one. I don't care. Three on three makes it even worse for the players to possibly get injured. So to me, especially the goaltending, everybody's crying. I understand. Bergeron should be there. He is definitely an All Star. I still think he should be in the heart competition. Uh, consideration, but Bergeron and Chara right now are thanking their lucky stars, especially Chara, 40-year-old in a three-on-three competition. Thank God he's not there. Right. People yeah. Stop complaining about something that's actually a good thing, that these guys aren't there. I uh, oh. Boyle, I, I was going to say it's another thing, uh, kind of like a weird one for going, but Brian Boyle from New Jersey has made it, which I thought was really nice of him to do. Because I don't think he was in the voting race. But he's been having problems. Didn't he come back from the cancer? Yep. Uh, come yeah. back from cancer recently. So yep. That's definitely good to see. Yeah, the, uh, fortunately, uh, the Brian Boyle situation can be uh, done through um, pharmaceuticals and not... Um, chemo. Yeah, not the chemo. So it, it, that's that's a good thing for him. And it's good to have him back. And... It, that can't be an easy thing to go through. I, oh, that's just uh, it's very weird that they put him in a three-on-three, fast-paced environment as well. Right. I think that a player that's going through that wouldn't really want to do three-on-three, fast-paced. So, but it is an honor. Sure. It is an honor to oh, be there. So, and 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 you know, if, if John Scott can make it there. I believe. Oh, yeah. I believe. And uh, score a hat trick in the game. Yeah, right. Goes to show Court is right about it doesn't mean anything. No, it's a, it's a farce. If you if you want the game to mean anything, um, I know way way back in the day that you said the Stanley Cup champions plays a team of all stars. I'd watch that. Or as much as I, you know, sorry for fans of the show that like baseball. Baseball to me is like watching paint dry. Do what they do for the All Star game and make it actually worth something. Because right now this game is just. It's great for the kids. I'm sure it is. I know when I was a kid, I used to love the All-Star game. But as, a, as an adult watching hockey, this is the one weekend where I'm like, I guess I can watch something else. Yeah. Maybe. I, you know what? I can watch some golf this weekend. It would be nice to watch. The, uh, the All-Star game for me is just, uh, it used to be something special to watch when I was younger. But today, it's just more of, you know, it's it's all commercialized. It's all about money, you know. Um, well, it has to be. As much as we, I, I think we should lead away from even saying it's all about money, because without the money and the All Star Game and the popularity, as fans, we want it. We we cheer for a team that's going to have fans no matter what. The Boston Bruins. Yep. It's just like I, I live in Toronto. The people are going to go whether they did go when the team was absolute garbage. People still went to the games. But we need the game to grow. As much as it sucks, expansion and all that stuff, we think are watering down the league. But it's something the league needs to grow and to be more popular. And we, the last thing I more I want anything else is having everybody love the game as much as I love it. And the only way to do it is make the Americans love the game. So we got to Americanize it and make them love the game because Canadians, we're going to love the game no matter what. We're going to we're going to show up regardless. Right. Like the this- thing is, I'll I'll watch the skills competition in full. Like I'll sit through the commercials for the skills comp. Same. I can't. I I have to watch the highlights of the game because I can't sit through it. Just bores me. 
Yeah, it's terrible. <clears throat> it, it is exciting in bits, but when they start doing the whole like um, old New Jersey Devils Tampa Bay thing where you pass it around the back for ages while you change lines, no, that bores me. The uh, skills competition for me is always it's exciting to watch, um, but I I I would actually like to see that more internally uh, for t- individual teams to do. Um, you know, like you could sell tickets really cheap to get the fans that don't or you know can't afford to go to a, a regular season game, uh, expose it to new fans that that might not watch hockey on the regular. Um, and then get your best players out of that and then bring them to the skills competition uh, during the All-Star weekend. Uh, I, I just thought that that would be a decent idea just to, just to increase the fan numbers and you know popularity. Yeah, I think the college teams do that, don't they? They have internal. Um... The NHL used to have internal skills competitions. I, I went to the Leafs one twice. I do remember that too. And and. I don't, don't see that anymore. I think it's just... I, I honestly think it's because you're going to get, you know, out of the teams in the league, you'll probably get 10 that'll actually people will show up. Right. Like, think about it. The Chicago Blackhawks didn't have anybody until they started winning hockey games again. And and as much as I'm a Boston Bruins fan, I found it scary crazy that I was able to buy tickets at the beginning of the year for when I come down in March, I'm coming down for a bachelor party, and I have my four comp tickets but I had to get 12 other tickets. I went online and bought 12 seats right beside each other. Holy crap. You know, you, yeah, I did it at the very beginning of the year, mind you. The day every ticket went on sale. But I tried to buy tickets for Toronto-Boston game in Toronto on that very same day. Yeah, not a chance. Yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs sold out every single game within five to ten minutes. I was able to go back on three days later and buy three more seats right beside the ones that I'd already purchased for three other people. Wow. Boston. So that's the one thing I will say about, you know, selling the game. We've There's got to be a way to sell the game in the U.S. Someone someone teach teach me a way because, uh, you know, the NFL, which to me is, you know, five minutes of action when you really boil it down to everything. Um, people love it. So maybe we got to, like, kill people every play. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, NHL to me is – and I'm biased. To me, I watch hockey and it's the best thing I've ever seen. Right. So – same here. So, so that's why I think they took away the individuals because they're not selling out. I've been to Florida. Is, I've been to Tampa. You can just walk up and buy tickets. England has a very similar like way of looking at American sports than the Canadians do because we say that American sports are all about power. With mm-hmm. baseball, you've got who can hit the ball the hardest. In American football, who can throw it the furthest or hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. And then in hockey, it's the American side of things seems to be the bigger, stronger guys, whereas can, uh, Canada's are all small and fast. Well, that's small. Good. We're fat speed, you know. Yeah. We, we took back our crown this year at the World Juniors. I don't think we're going to win the Olympics, but... Uh, yeah. but look it, at it. You had the... In the old days, you had the Big Bad Bruins, you had the Broad yeah. Street Bullies. They were the American teams. Well, they were Canadian then, players, though. Well, yeah. But still... <laughs> But as, it, as it much is, as anytime everybody's like, oh, it's, I'm like, yeah, well, they were just like when everything goes down, when I see people trash, I'm, I'm from, I'm living Canada. I was born in the United States. I'm a dual citizen. And whenever I see people doing the country bashing, it just, I shake my head. I'm like, you, people were making fun of French people. And I'm like, 
you're a Boston fan. Your favorite player is either Marchand or Bergeron, and you just made fun of French people. Do you look at yourself when you say things, or is it just you don't even understand that the two players you're making fun of are French? Come to uh, London in England, and it's the craziest thing you'll ever see because there are so many nationalities in that city. It is unreal. But oh, everyone seems Toronto. to make fun out of the, the other person. You'll hear an Italian talking fun about a French man. You'll talk uh, Africans making fun of Englishmen. That's what it's like. It's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. But I, I, at the same time, with, with the All-Star game thing, I think maybe just scrap it on the head for a year and see if it actually changes ticket sales. Give the players all a bye week that week and everybody's off for one week. Just scrap yeah. the All-Star game altogether. It's an absolute farce. But the right. thing is, if it's if it's making more money on TV than it is in house... No, I don't think it is. Well, you could put, like, reruns of... I'll look best, it up. ...best Stanley Cup matches and stuff like that on the TV instead of the All-Star game. You'll probably get more money that way. So, I don't know. Well... Well, cool. Okay, so the Pro Bowl, I, as scary as it sounds, last year um, the Washington Post wrote an article saying the Pro Bowl ratings continue to slide while the NHL All-Star Game are up. The game earned 7.7 .7 rating on the NBC in 2013 with a 5.0 overnight rating this year. So that's a 54% drop in the NFL. I also think the NFL's got so many fans, so when they have a drop, it's drastic. The NHL doesn't have as many fans in the U.S., and I could be wrong. Um, that any any little bit helps, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're coming up to an hour on our discussion, and uh, I thought it'd be appropriate to mention uh, a new side project that I'm kind of excited, actually very excited to do. Um, it's called Beers and Bruins, two of my favorite things. Uh, where I will go out on location to a bar or restaurant that will host us and uh, and just talk with the fans, get more fan interaction. As we we, we try to keep this program uh, on the weekend to uh, us talking and, and having writers and, and other uh, professional um, uh, people that are in the industry of, of uh, that are close to the Boston Bruins. Uh, so we try to keep that here. And I, I wanted to uh, just get a little more fan interaction and engage on how people are uh, feel about the team in, in certain uh, times of the season. So whether it be a good year or a bad year, I'd, I'd like love to hear it. And I, I think it's going to be a good thing for the program uh, that would be released on uh, midweek. So uh, another another thing to listen to for uh, a couple hours. So I'm excited for it. So to go back to the ratings, the All-Star game was up 44% in ratings last year. So I'm wrong. People are, for some reason, are watching it. Wow. I'm the opposite. Since they went to three-on-three, three, it's, uh, it's from two-year span that their ratings are up 86% since 2015. Well, it's probably because they shut down for four days. And it's like people are, are, are you know, raging for their hockey. <laughs> no, I could be like you know, LA. The, the fact that the LA Kings won a couple cups and the Blackhawks have won a couple cups, it is better for the game because it it makes it more popular in in places that it weren't bringing in the fans like they used to. Like look at Detroit; they used to sell it every game. They suck again. People don't show up. I just find it weird. Like Montreal, they suck. People are still going to the games. Right. 
All right, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, please stay tuned for uh, interviews with Warren Campbell uh, following this. And uh, Anthony Kwiatkowski of uh, Bruins uh, Network uh, will join me later on afterwards to talk Providence Bruins. So uh, thank you very much again uh, for the listeners. We've gotten so much good feedback. Uh, follow us on all the um, – Podcatchers. Uh, podcatchers uh, worldwide. We're, we're pretty much on every one of them. Um, please rate us on Apple iTunes. It gives us uh, a, um, a better standing in, in their rankings. So, and we are, we, are, uh, up, we are in their rankings, I still believe. So um, good, good stuff um, coming up. We have new merch for sale. Yes. Uh, the new pucks go on sale this week, I think it is. Yes, Thomas. Thomas Nystrom, uh, new member of the Black and Gold team, has uh, got uh, pucks made for the for the podcast. I and hope that one makes it magically into my order. Just, just, just saying. It in there. <laughs> just saying, Thomas. Just put it in the bag. I'll yeah. pay you when I get to Boston in March. Yeah, and we we also we also have some great T-shirts and and, and stickers to uh, to be sold too. So please, if you want to support the program, you could do it by that by you know dressing up really nice and representing what we do here at the uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. So, uh, and if you do buy anything, please send us a picture on Twitter. Yes, hashtag let Black and Gold. Yeah, let us know if you like you know. Um, yeah. It, hey, if it makes you feel better, my wife complained that we haven't got them in the mail yet. I'm not kidding. Oh. Today, it, it, I was like, well, seriously, you you really? Good? Yeah, I'm gonna complain. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I love you too, honey. For, um, a listener of the show, Frank, uh, mentioned the same thing on a DM, uh, Facebook DM. Here's the thing, real quick. These things have to build up a certain amount, a quantity, before they are shipped. So please be patient. Um, I believe we are. What did he say? I'll keep. I believe Thomas said we will be shipping them first week of February. Yes, yes. yes. So, so they once, will be shipping first week of February. We don't have an inventory, as as many people think we have, and we just like send out the, orders. They have to get to. They have to meet a quota, and then once that's met, then they go into production. So, uh, if you do order them, please be aware that it might be a little while. We're not. You know, there's nothing going on with your money or anything like that. It's just the way that this certain company works, and it is a little better because we're not we're not going out and spending thousands of dollars on on shirts that we're just going to sit in my office and that and then I and I send them out once we meet a certain quantity and it's good and and you know people get paid, bam, then we send them out. So we do have some remaining stock. So, but yes, the orders will be shipping out because I believe he just got them this week, right? Yep. He was showing the pictures to us. So yeah, they will be shipping out soon. Yep. So yeah, please be patient and, uh, and thank you again for, for the people that have pre-orders in, uh, we've got, we've sold a lot so far. So, uh, we hope to uh, keep it going and hope you enjoy them. Uh, so just quickly, Mark, uh, yep. are you going to have an update on Darth Vladar? <laughs> no? yeah. Wow, that was so good. Yeah, dude. Well, he had me. He had me, dude. I was like, sure. all right, this is going to be a serious discussion. And then, bam, <laughs> nailed. Uh, we need to keep throwing them in there. Dan Vladar, he's playing pretty decent down in Prague. Uh, hey, Atlanta. hey bro, I got a bad feeling about this one. But, oh, oh, yeah. It uh, might be a trap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We can do, we can do this all day. 
we should do the beers and Bruins now. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I I gotta go because this is getting too crazy. <laughs> Um, thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Thank you, everybody, for listening. The support has been overwhelming and great, so um, we continue to do it. So uh, we will talk next week. Take care, everybody. Hey, Bruins fans. As mentioned in the uh, in, in our session earlier, um, uh, Lauren Campbell, uh, she's a, a writer uh, for This Week in Worcester.com and our very own blackandgoldhockeyblog.com, and you can follow her at L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-U-R-R-R-R-E-N. I love that Twitter handle. Lauren, how are you? <laughs> you are, I'm doing great. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, no, I, 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 I thought it was uh, with the, uh, the, the, the three Montreal games in, uh, in eight days, I thought it would be a good opportunity to have you on now as it's still fresh in your memory. Uh, your fantastic uh, experience as a uh, as a member of the media team uh, and and um, way up at the top of the uh, Bell Center in uh, Montreal in, in in the middle of our biggest rival um, how was that experience oh man I am still on cloud nine from it it was I mean what a way to kind of jump start a career just to go into the Bell Center as not a fan and I think that was the weirdest thing for me was I put my fandom aside and I observed like I mean the, the Bell Center is absolutely electric at all times it makes me so envious because you know when you go to the garden for the games it's loud when something happens but these fans are just constantly yelling cheering you know heckling the Bruins fans but oh I mean the whole experience was just completely amazing and just topped any expectation I had just for I mean everyone was so nice everyone was so welcoming and it just kind of goes back to you know them being where I was or where I am you know we all have to start somewhere and we're all that we're all that new kid at one point but man I mean I if I could if I could go back as a fan if I have that opportunity to I absolutely would because it's such such a different environment than the garden yeah, I, I, I love the pictures that you were sending from way up uh, in front of the laptop and everything. It was it was uh, good to see you, and I'm, I'm happy for you, really. Oh, thank you. That means so much. It's been, it's been a wild ride this whole career. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, is, is, is it time to finally put this um, Montreal is in our heads uh, away after three straight Bruins wins over the Habs? I think so, and... It, you know, these were really good wins, and I know Montreal is kind of defeated this season. You know, they're not, they don't look like the Montreal team that we're used to, but I think, you know, fresh start for both teams with head coach change, obviously, and just, I mean, they look, the Bruins look comfortable and confident against the Habs, and that's something we haven't seen against them the last few years, but three straight wins in eight days, two of those wins in the bell center. I, I think, yeah, I think that that needs to be laid to rest immediately. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's good to see that. I mean, they are uh, the team's biggest rival and, but it, it's good to see that they're, they're not playing well. And, and, and right now uh, out of the playoff picture. So um, that's a first for a while. Um, what what else did you do besides the game and 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 that and that huge moment for you? 
what else did you do up there to, uh, to enjoy the moment? Um, I mean, we did a whole um, pregame show from a local bar that's pretty well known. It's called McLean's Pub. Um, just kind of, we did it so it's a two-hour pregame show, and we did um, just like interviews with Bruins fans. We had, obviously, Habs fans were there. There were a lot of Bruins fans, so it was really easy to like get up there and get people you know, excited. Obviously, everyone's already excited for, for the game in general, but so we did a lot of that. We did, um, I obviously didn't have time to like go sightseeing or anything, but, um, just to kind of be there and see how everyone was so excited, just getting, getting them more riled up for the game and like during the game, just kind of still seeing that whole environment, just riled up, ready to go for this game was, was really cool. So we did a lot of like a pregame warm up, I guess you could call it. We did our own pregame skate kind of thing and just, you know, just getting ourselves ready, like doing all the research for, you know, stats and history and history of the rivalry, history of the team. So it was, that, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was quite, quite the experience. Uh, did, did you drive up? I did. I, I, I left right from work. I work in Boston and I, it took me six hours on the dot. I left right at two and I got there at eight. So I, I drove, drove by myself. <laughs> Did you uh did you have any problems getting over the border with that six pack abs of yours? <laughs> I had none. <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> I, I saw that picture you posted uh not too long ago and I was like, damn man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it it's that's talk about a process, my god. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thankfully they, they they let me right through. I had no issues, they didn't ask too many questions, so good to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, another reason why I wanted to have you on is is, is you did a fantastic job um, writing about the uh, Mark Savard retirement and and a lot of the stuff that he went through uh, as a Bruin, which pretty much the Matt Cook uh, incident ended his career. Um, but I I said on the on on the show earlier that uh, there's a lot of podcasts that I've been listening to and. And Mark seemed very, um, not not. I, I know he's not all there, and I know he's going to have these this this head issue for the rest of his life. But he seemed positive in his decision to walk away from the game and start his uh, his new endeavor in the coaching field, um, as he's coaching his sons right now in junior. Um, but what what what? did Mark Savard, the player, and, and the guy off the ice mean to you? Oh, man. I mean, I was I was a Mark Savard fan before he signed with the Bruins. He was just somebody I watched closely. I followed him when he was when he was drafted and just kind of followed his career. And when they signed him, I was ecstatic. I was through the roof just because I loved watching him play. And I said this in my article because hockey players like Savard don't come around too often where they have that that raw grit and emotion and you know that they're playing because they love to play they're not playing for a paycheck he's playing because he genuinely loves the game so when to see that kind of get taken from him literally right in front of our eyes I was like so sad like my, excuse me like my heart literally broke for this guy because so when, when talking about Savard and, and and what he did for you in in the game um do you think that he's going to have a um a, a solid uh, presence when it comes to um, you know talking about uh, head injuries like this with 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 kids and and other people that might have be going through some head issues. 
Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure you read his Players' Tribune article when it came out. I did. And even then, it, it, he just details so much. And obviously it took him, you know, I think it came out last year, six, seven years for him to come out about it. So for him to really get a grasp on his injuries and the the after, not even, you know, going through, but like the after effects of it, you know, the anxiety, the depression, just where he didn't want to be around even his wife. So I think it's going to be a really strong force, especially for kids. I think it's really important for kids who play sports, whether it's hockey, baseball, football, that they know about these head injuries and know that if you get hit in the head, take yourself out of the game, get assessed and really just kind of deal with it no pun intended, head on and just like kind of not, I don't want to say own the injury, but really just, just own it is really all I can, can really say about it. But Mark Savard is the perfect guy for it because he went through something so traumatic and it changed his whole life. It didn't just end his career, but it really altered his whole life and you have to change your whole lifestyle for it. So he's really just like the perfect person to be in the, unfortunately to be in that position, but Fortunately, at the same time, so he can educate, you know, players, kids, whether it's his own or other athletes on on the hockey team that he coaches. So I think it's he's, he's going to bring do wonders and just bring awareness to this and really just have people take it seriously. Uh, as a writer uh, in the professional field, um, let me hear, let me know how it felt to have him. Uh, you know, re, uh, retweet and uh, and and mention uh, the kind words uh, of your article from a player's perspective. Oh man, I I actually cried. Like I saw that and I was like, I screenshot it. I sent it to my mom and I was like, Oh my god, look what just happened! Like total fangirl moment, just because. You know, I, I write my articles. I do I do a lot of writing, and I'll tag the people who are mentioning them, and I never expect them to read it, let alone acknowledge it. So. It was just, it was crazy. It was, I was like, wow, of all people, like, and obviously it got a lot of attention after he retweeted it, but it was, it just kind of goes to show too what kind of guy he is off the ice and as a person, because he took the time to sit there and read it. And then he could have just read it and been like, okay, cool. That's it. But he took the time to acknowledge it, retweet it. And like, I, I definitely cried for like a good three minutes where I was just like, wow, like so many emotions just because he did a lot. For me like as a hockey fan and obviously now as a writer to give me like that content to be able to write about and just give me a lot of like positive feedback about hockey watching him play growing up so it was a whole lot of emotion that I hadn't felt in a very long time yeah and even though it's an emotional point and, and you deserve it you deserve the recognition of that because it was a great article um it's a it's a, a it's a definite step forward in your career and uh and it, it's it's very well deserved thank you so much um but i, I also uh, many people may not know that lauren did uh as i mentioned uh, when we started the show that she is now a part of the black and gold hockey blog.com uh, team uh, i believe she's got three articles out now uh and i want to personally thank you for uh your dedication to our site and and the outstanding work uh, as a solid team member, so um, we are a growing team. We are we are getting bigger. Uh, it's it, it's a labor of love, but it, it sooner or later it's going to be. I, I'd like to take this to a, the next level as much as possible. I mean, I know I know we're not going to rival 
any bostonbruins.com or nhl.com numbers but i i really like to take this into uh you know another step forward so and by having talented writers like you aboard is just going to make us that more successful oh thank you so much and well thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to write for you guys i love i love writing it's all i've done pretty much my whole life so any opportunity to help you guys and is something that's going to be good for you guys good for me so it's a win-win and all the way around yeah i i i'm a i'm also uh you know not only the host of the black and gold hockey podcast but um we're also doing the i also write i do a lot of prospect stuff as you know um and i I, as i mentioned we're doing a new um a new show uh, which is going to be released uh, midweek it's called beers and bruins and sooner or later i'd like to have you on to have a couple drinks and and talk some bruins so absolutely my favorite my favorite things right there beer and bruins yeah awesome uh yeah we'll definitely uh get something going i have i already have a couple of people lined up so it, it's it, it's potentially going to take off to something really special um and and, and like i said earlier in the show it, it's it's going to be a show that's going to cater to the fans and how they're feeling about certain times of the year and not in our sunday weekend show where we try to t- catch on to all the professional topics and get and get writers like you on and and other um and other professionals in in the field in boston so this is this is a great opportunity for fans to you know interact a little bit with uh what we're trying to do and 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 maybe relax a little bit with a with a nice brew or two can't get any better than that you really can't (laughs) right All right, Lauren, thank you very much for your time today. I'm so excited to have you aboard our, our Black and Gold Hockey Blog team and, uh, and, and reading all the great stuff that you've been producing lately um, on the uh, several sites that you write for. So uh, keep up the uh, amazing work, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'll, anytime you need me, I'm here. Awesome. I really appreciate that. Uh, you can all, um, follow Lauren at her fantastic uh, Twitter account. It is at L-A-L-A-L-A-L-A-U-R-R-R-E-N. That is never going to get old. Never. I <laughs> love it. you mastered it now. Oh, yeah. I got it written down. It's on my dry erase board. I just look at it. I'm like, okay, there's four sets of L-A's. There's four R's, one U, and an E-N. <laughs> you got so, it. Awesome. You got it. Thanks again so much. I really appreciate it. And take care, Lauren. Thanks. You too, Mark. Hey, Bruins fans, as mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, um, we have, uh, I'm really excited about this opportunity to talk to this gentleman. Um, he does a fantastic job on his Twitter account. It's uh, at Bruins Network, and it's Anthony Kwiatkowski. And uh, you can read his blog at BruinsNetwork.com. Does a great job, uh, uh, video analysis of the Providence Bruins players. Uh, really breaks down what people really want to hear. And, um, I, I actually like the account because I I can uh, get a feeling of what he's uh, saying because he's uh, down in Providence in, in the trenches and he's working alongside the players. So, uh, Anthony, welcome to the program and thank you very much for the time. Hey, thanks, Mark. Just uh, happy to be here and, uh, you know, good to be on the, the Black and Gold podcast here finally. Big fan of the show as well, so thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. Um. So, uh, 
before we get started, because I just wanted to touch on a couple of players that people reach out to me about, and and I try to give them the best answers uh, as as humanly possible from my view. And I'm not down in Providence; I'm up near the uh, Mass uh, New Hampshire border. So, but I do travel down to Providence when I can. But like I said, you're in the trenches, so you get a better a view of what's going on. So, uh, if you could just uh, sp- spend a little time on uh, telling the listeners about yourself. Uh, my name's Anthony Kwiatkowski, and uh, I'm currently a senior, believe it or not, at the University of Rhode Island down here in Kingston, Rhode Island, and I uh, just started Bruins Network a couple years back. You know, I, I sit in my buddy's backyard one night, and I just said, you know what, just kind of sick of the way this, this clickbait and advertisement, you know, fueled content's coming out, and just got sick of it for hockey dialogue as, as I'm sure you know all about listening on the radio and you know sports talk all kinds of stuff like that so I said you know what sick of this gonna start trying to do it myself and just kind of see what I can come up with and Bruins Network was a great name I, I had thought of that wasn't taken for some odd reason and I figured it would be some kind of property of something so I got kind of lucky with that but um, you know just trying to do it Honestly, you know, not trying to get any clicks or clickbait or, you know, ad revenue, just trying to touch on the players and give a realistic, honest fan to fan, you know, kind of analysis from my point of view. And as I, you know, try and climb the ranks of this so-called amateur scouting business I've, I've, you know, ventured into, I just like being able to communicate with fans and passionate individuals about it and, you know, just kind of be respectful towards them and have them be respectful towards me. So, you know, being down in Providence helps a lot. I, I live near there. I'm, you know, from Cranston, Rhode Island, which is about 10, 15 minutes towards Providence, you know, from people who aren't around here and, and don't really know that. And, yeah, you know, talk to some of the players here and there, and, and I get a, a nice feel on, on what they're about and, you know, what their goals are and kind of, it's 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 a nice little dynamic going on down here and and you know I always say it's quite the hidden gem in Providence and it really is so you know I'm just happy to be a part of it and contribute some content to the interwebs and everyone on there. Yeah, that's awesome. And like I said, you do a fantastic job. And 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 I, and if anybody really wants to dive into and get a real real good insight, uh, follow Anthony at Bruins Network on Twitter. Um, he's I mean. Some of you, some of your tweets and videos lead me to write my own articles. It's almost like a, a gateway to an idea and a topic. So, I I really really appreciate that. And and like I said, just uh, the 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 um the videos, the breakdowns, uh, the insight, the it, it's just amazing. And uh, keep up the great work, man. Thank you. And and you know I I love hearing that too because I I like being being able to provide something that others can use. And you know. At least my content's not all that bad. <laughs> just right. being you, so you know I, I appreciate that. And, and all the other kind words I've, I've gotten and shout outs and such, you know, means a lot. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about—the fans and just the way that they interact and get to get some content and maybe some stuff they don't usually see or hear from, you know, the typical mainstream stations and you know sites. So here I am. Yeah, and and speaking of stations, I'll segue into um, an off-topic that I that I just thought of. Uh, why don't the Providence Bruins have a radio broadcast? And and has it been like two years now? Uh yeah, I think it's been two full seasons, maybe three. And they fired um, their I, staff, right? Yeah, I I don't know the whole dynamic there, and and 
I haven't really heard much about them moving in a different direction and, and maybe entering back into that. But I do know they, there's no one there doing their streams, especially for radio and, and play-by-play. So what usually happens is each team that visits Providence to play there, they bring their own play-by-play guys. And they're usually sitting right next to me, actually. And I'm typically the last seat in the press box right before their audio-visual setup. So I hear a lot of that, and I, I hear their streams. And some of them are good. Some of them are great. Some aren't the best. So I actually would like to see Providence get their own people back there for play-by-play. And I'm sure there, there's an influx of candidates, and whether it's money or timing or schedule, I don't know the, the business dynamics there. But I do know it, it you know, it, it is kind of a shame that they don't have their own thing going there. And, and as, as I know, you have your own subscription to AHL Live. Yeah, and that's, ex- that's, exactly, that's exactly it. And I'm constantly hearing the, uh, the feed brought by the, the visitors team, which is kind of disappointing. But, I mean, regardless, I get to see the action and so on, no matter who's saying it. But it would be nice to have a, um, a known voice down in uh, PVD that, to, um, to relate to. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, not even that, but the video stream is, is what really gets me because it's such a great area being, you know, downtown Providence. You're one of the first streets right off the exit. And you have this beautiful Dunkin' Donuts Center. And, you know, it's it's one of those AHL teams that's very closely knit to their NHL teams in terms of both style and production type stuff, too. Because, you know, from their setup of their jerseys and their name and their players, everything resembles the big club very well. Mm-hmm. As opposed to other AHL teams that might not really have any stylistic components that relate to the NHL team that they're affiliated with. So I would like to see an upgraded video stream with, with, you know, better quality resolution and cameras and also maybe some better lighting in there too, because it's not the most well-lit arena I've been to. Yeah. And even on AHL live, it kind of reminds me of, uh, um, Madison Square Garden because that place looks dark on TV too. <laughs> it is, and, and it has like that hue to it too, like like almost nighttime on your phone kind of. Yep. So it, it's it's weird to see that. I mean, you you look at the the Leahy Valley Phantoms, and you know they have the best setup I've seen in the in the AHL, and they're just tremendous. And I think that should be what AHL teams, including the Providence Bruins, should be looking at something like that. Um. Let's uh, let's start talking about some uh, some players of interest. Um, let's start in goal. Um, I, last season, Zane McIntyre had had just a, an unbelievable year. Uh, I was I was privileged enough to watch every game he played uh, on the AHL Live uh, when he was in Providence. I know he did uh, make a short stint uh, called up when when um, Anton Hudobin came down. He went up, so he got some time, and unfortunately, didn't. I didn't see. I didn't think he did a great job in the NHL, but he was good enough to to be there and, and help try to help Rask back up. But this season, I'm seeing a different Zane McIntyre, and it kind of concerns me to the point that, I mean, I had him as a shoe win. I I had him as Anton Hudobin not resigning in Boston, McIntyre being called up to back up Rask at, at that low cap value. Um, but his game this season is kind of disappointing to me. I mean, it's not it's not bad that he's he's a total waste. 
but there's things that I can see differently. And, and I'm wondering if you, if you have an opinion on that at all. I do. And similar to you last year, I mean, I thought he would have been contending for the backup job this year, but from, you know, summer on, he just didn't look the same as he did last season. Now, he has all the tools, he's got the skills, he's got the glove, the angles, the blocker, you know, he's got great lateral movement in the crease, but for some reason, it just seems more mental this year than anything, because he isn't being beat necessarily when, when he's giving up goals as a lack of skill. It's more of, of a lack of focus, it seems like, because the timing of his glove is a little bit off, and his angles, I don't think, have been great, and that was his best quality, in my opinion. You know, was was his ability to, to take the best angle and use his vision and his positioning, you know, because he's, he's got a pretty big frame on him. So this year, he's he's had some weird drop-off that I didn't see coming. And it's not necessarily all him either, because the team started out a little bit slow in, in the defensive end, and, you know... They were working in Jakob Zaborl and Jeremy Lozon and Connor Clifton, Emilio Hansen. They're working those guys in, and they weren't great to start the season, per se. I mean, Jeremy Lozon has been tremendous. He's he's the exception there. But Jakob Zaborl started pretty slow, I, I'd say. So he, would, he wasn't taking, you know, the best plays and, and wasn't really playing to his capacity, which now he's starting to, which is good. The second half of the season, I think he's been very good. And Zane McIntyre has also been good as a result. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on with McIntyre. I got to believe he'll figure it out because, uh, you know, I've talked to him. I've seen him down there and and I've interacted with, you know, some members of the team who speak very highly of him. And I just got to believe that he's going to turn it around. And he started to the past few games and, you know. Well, back-to-back shutouts was uh, outstanding. Yep, and, and I believe he was named uh, the, the AHL Star of the Week. Yep, he was. Yep, so he's getting back there, and, and he's looked back to form over his last few games. So it's good to see that. I'm not sure what the slow start was for. Maybe it was a rut he was in. Goalies can, can go through that pretty commonly, it seems. So I'm not too sure, but I, I don't think it's anything to worry about for anyone out there who's who's you know listening in here tonight. Yeah, the one thing that concerns me is, is, is like I said, and, and many of the listeners know, is I, I watch every game, and um, the, giving up the first goal within a minute of the of the first period, that is tough, and that kind of sets the tone for him for the rest of his game, which, and, and, and in relation to what you were saying uh, a minute ago, you really don't know, um, actually, you know, what's going on, you know, personally, physically, mentally, whatever, but uh, it, it, it is it is a concern for me, at least, in my opinion, um, but it's really good to have a supporting cast, like you mentioned with the Saboro, Lousens, the Hansons, and and so on, to to help out, uh, and especially the uh, the uh, the top nine and so on that really have been uh, explosive down there in Providence to uh, to make up for a mistake that that Zane might make, you know. So yeah, and and I mean he still is only twenty five, so that's really young for a goalie, in my opinion. And I, I've seen, you know, if, if you look in Boston, Boston history, you see Tim Thomas, who finally pieced it all together when he was 37. Yeah. So I'm not worried about McIntyre. And, and I look at the stats because, you know, I believe it was 2015. Well, the 
2014-15 season when he was at North Dakota his, his junior year. He was a, a Hobie Baker guy, and, you know, he had a 2.67 goals against and a uh, – or, or – uh, Oh no, that was that was the next year. So he had a 2.05 goals against average and a .929 save percentage his junior year in North Dakota. And then he, you know, 15-16 season, signed with the Bruins, came, played in Providence, 31 games played, 2.67 goals against, which is significantly higher, still in the two range, not bad, but a .898 save percentage. And he only got one game in the playoffs and it didn't go well for him. But then the next season, last year, you know, he played tremendous. And and that's when everyone started really seeing what he could do. And last year in 31 games, he posted a 2.03 and then a .930 save percentage. And now he's back, you know, maybe last season was him riding a, a high and, and maybe showing us what he could be but isn't right there yet in his development. Because now he's back down to earth at a 2.79 and a .903 after a couple games he pieced together last week and, you know, along the way. But I, I still think that's showing some improvement because if last season is an anomaly for him, the 2015-2016 season, he's still improved upon. And he's playing better than he did then. So I look at him just going upwards and still, still going on his path. Now, obviously, he's got a restricted free agency coming up this season so we don't really know what's going to go on with him or or what's you know in the Bruins mind so that's something we'll have to see but but wherever he goes I I think he's an NHL caliber player that's you know my view on him I I really think he is so I it's going to be interesting to see how he gets you know his starts and hopefully he just continues to play the Zane McIntyre we saw last year in the last few games yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. I, I just want to see the guy make it and get his first NHL win. Uh, I think he's he's due for it. So, I mean, he is a solid player. No, regardless, he's a hard worker. I've been down to Providence plenty of times to watch this guy play, and, he, and like you said earlier, he's got the tools. He's just he just needs that focus. But, um, moving ahead to another player that this is his actual last year. And, and I really want to see this guy back with the team. Um, regardless anywhere in the, um, in the organization, whether it be in the NHL or, or back in the AHL, but Austin Zarnick is putting together another solid year, point per game player. He's got 36 points in 35 games. Do, um, do you see the Bruins offering him another year, even if he knows that he might spend it in the AHL and does he accept it? Um, I think the Bruins will qualify him just because, you know, your, your AHL team is still also a business. So, you know, you got to piece together some quality playmakers down there and, and quality players who can just, you know, compete and excel in the AHL. So I think from a business standpoint, I think they will qualify him because at the end of the day, they still need the P Bruins to be a good team. You know, they still need to have those first line top tier guys on their team. Now, I'm also very high on, on Austin Zarnick, too, and, and I think he's a good player, and I think he hasn't really gotten a full shot in the NHL yet. But he does work hard. He brings the energy every game, and he can really, really pass the puck, too. In traffic, in tight, in and close, around the net, you know, zone to zone, he, he does it all. And he's got that nice depth passing touch that, that you really want in a playmaker. He's undersized, yeah, but 
he hustles and he's you know, like you said he's he's over a point per game and he is an AHL all-star right now so I think the Bruins bring him back and unless you know maybe there's greener pastures for him somewhere else in the NHL and he could be part of a deal or you know another team is eyeing him something like that I don't know much about Austin Zarnick from you know a league interest point but I do know I I can see him being a third line player in the NHL one day especially as it's you know trending towards this smaller faster higher skilled guys than it used to be so it'd be interesting to see if he's if he's brought back and spends his time in Providence but either way I'm, I'm okay if, if they decide to move on for the better of the player or, or the chance that he might have somewhere else or if he comes back and, and helps out the team all right. Um, this 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 next player that I'm going to be talking about is one that I've I've really shown a lot of interest in, uh, even when he was at Boston University, uh, and that's Jakob Vorsbaka Carlson. Um, he's got 27 points in 42 games played this year. Uh, really good 200 foot game down with the baby bees. Um, do you see? I, I mean, regard. I, I want to know what they're going to do with, with Ryan Spooner because of his contract issue right now and him being in his last year of his current deal, uh, which is only a one year. Um, if he's not resigned, I would have to say that JFK is a shoe in for that uh, third line centers. Uh, do you feel the same way? I agree because I personally thought, you know, I thought Jacob was ready this year. And when I saw him in camp, I, I honestly thought that he put in a very good camp and, you know, I, I'm not going to gauge off his one NHL game against the Washington Capitals. Oh, no, yeah, you can't do that. Right from, <laughs> you know, right from college to the Washington Capitals playing against Alex Ovechkin. So some people have done that. That's not my style. I've seen him be the most consistent player this season, game in, game out in Providence through his first 42 games as, as a professional down there this season. So I think he's a tremendous player. He's got it all, and, and he, you know, if anyone that's listening been following along to my Twitter, I post some video clips of him and some plays that he really impacts the ice. You can see zone to zone. He had a nice goal against the Phantoms the other night, and it was just that clutch gene that, that you saw in a guy not too long ago, you know, well, relative anyways, not too long ago in Providence, by the name of Patrice Bergeron. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of him. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, he's drawn comparisons to Bergeron from his draft day until now. And I'm not too big on player comparisons as, you know, I, I think it does a disservice to the player you're comparing him to. But I, I do think that those are pretty spot on in terms of what we've seen stylistic. I don't think Forsbacka Carlson has the natural talent to be a, a number line a, a number one line center like Bergeron has been and, and you know obviously Patrice Bergeron's an elite player world-class player and I'm, I'm not going to put that ceiling on, on for his back at Carlson but what I do think he will be is a second line center top six player for a very long time in the NHL and he's just so consistent in all three zones and he's got a great head on his shoulder He's just one of the most polite people you ever meet and talk to and interact with. And he truly appreciates the development, the learning curve, everything. And the whole step of the process, he loves it all. So he's putting in the work. It's showing in the, resu in the results. And 
he's wise beyond his years. So I'm I'm very high on him and and I gotta believe that next year he'll he'll you know, he'll be in the NHL with the Bruins. And like you said about Ryan Spooner, he's putting in a great season. If Ryan Spooner isn't dealt and the Bruins do decide to bring him back, I think he's going to get a Calvin DeHaan type deal where it's a one year deal that'll bring him to unrestricted free agency. Maybe the Bruins find a deal for him next season. Maybe it doesn't come at the deadline or, or in the summer. That's something that that's to be determined, but I got to believe Jacob Forsback or Carlson is going to be in the NHL next year with the Bruins. Yeah, I, I really like his game and he's actually tied with Jordan Swartz, uh for power play goals uh, for the uh, team lead. So with four, so and he's, he's really good on the power play. Um, he kind of reminds me of that. When he passes, he kind of reminds me of Savard. Do you see that at all? I do. His his actual passing mechanic reminds me of it. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's... I, I I don't see the the vision or or the you know that lethal factor yep. that Savard had, but the the actual passing mechanic. Yeah. Uh, that's not too far off, in my opinion. Yeah, he's 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 really good, especially behind the net in Gretzky's office. Um. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Fitzgerald um, doesn't get a ton of credit when he's out in the ice, uh, but the kid works hard. Uh, he just, you know, he's not ripping it up. He's got 15 points in 32 games. Uh, this is also, I believe, his first year down in Providence. Um, so it could yep. be an adjustment year for him after uh, graduating from Boston College. Um, what do you see in his game that uh, needs improving, or is he de- uh, uh, progressing um, properly in his development? I think he's progressing really well, actually. And he had a really slow start, like really slow. And I thought it was quite painful to watch. But, you know, he doesn't have that high-end skill set that, you know, people rant and rave about. But he is undersized. You know, he's five foot nine, But... He's he's a grinder, and I mean he goes out there and he plays every shift, every game. He doesn't quit on plays. He doesn't you know he, he doesn't shy away from contact. He gets in the dirty areas and he really works. And I mean that's what we saw in college from him too. So I mean, I think working for him needs to be his his skating. I think that could really use some improvement. He's not a bad skater, but he's not a great skater either. And I think that's one area he, he really needs to improve on to make the jump to the next level. And he's been rewarded for his play. I, I mean, he's starting on, on you know, in the top six nowadays. And, you know, Jay Leach has really given him some some rope to play with there. And, I mean, it's shown, you know, in, in his last few games, he's been much more productive. And, and it really started for him in the month of December, really. That's when he started you know, piecing together a more consistent effort night in, night out, and, and really getting in on the pucks, really making some plays for his teammates. And, you know, he, he's a good player. I I think they have another future third liner in, in him in the NHL. And it's just another uh, draft and draft and development for the Bruins. Nice case of that. All right. Now, this this one is, is most intriguing to me because, um, as you know, I'm a big fan of the eye test, um, you know. You and to base an opinion on on somebody just on stats is is asinine, in my opinion. Um, I mean, please go out and buy a twenty dollar ticket, front row. Look at these players and evaluate properly. You just can't look at numbers. Um, so Zach Senishin is is in from the from our listeners that reach out to me. 
because I do a lot of prospect reports and so on, um, uh, saying that they're disappointed because the not only is the first round uh, draft pick in 2015 not in the NHL yet, but his numbers in Providence are, are not uh, to their caliber, air quote. Um, but I see an explosive player. I see a kid that can uh, that can stick handle uh, very well. Like I said, with that explosive player, I mean his stride. And when he pushes off, he, he's already in like a huge like he gaps. He gaps very well away from players. And when he gets in open ice, he's so lethal. Um, and I know you you did some video analysis on him not too long ago, I believe, and 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 really broke down his game. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about him? Yeah, I mean, Zach is, is like you said, an explosive player, and he's an elite skater. I mean, he's got NHL-quality skating right now, and he's, in my assessment, the fastest and most expos- explosive player I, I've seen in person, and especially in the AHL. I, I think he is the fastest player in the NHL right now. Uh, AHL, rather, sorry. But, yeah, a lot of people are, are down on him right now because he's not scoring much, and, you know, they see that he's been dropped down, and he has, he's still on a, on a goalless drought here for a large span. You know, he, he hasn't scored a goal since December 16th. So, yeah, that, that's, it, it is disappointing, you know, and, and I'll cater to the, to the stat and analytic people. Yeah, that, that is quite disappointing. But, on the other hand, the team knows he can score. You know, the organization knows this is a kid that can put the puck in the back of the net. But now it looks like they're assessing other parts of his game that aren't necessarily as strong. So they're making him work on that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with him being a scratch or or there's nothing wrong with him being on the third and fourth lines where he has to really get out there and work for every inch on the ice. You know, there's no playmakers in the bottom six on this team that are really giving him the puck every game to go and skate with and you know, that there's less areas against the bigger, bulkier defenders, you know, who are career AHL defensemen, you know, who are well above six feet and they're just nasty players. And to me, it looks like he's fine with offense and he's fine with creating it. And, and I think he would have a lot more points have his opportunities been converted on. You know, when you're playing in the bottom six as, as such a finesse player like he is, and such a pure goal scorer and, and, you know, offensive catalyst, it's hard to have these these bottom six players, especially on the Providence team, go out there and really score for you. And if you look at my Twitter, you'll see the video is where he's, you know, blown by defenders in the neutral zone, you know, skated around the net and threw a puck out in front that got whiffed on or no one was there because they're just not those type of players. And... Like I said, his his shot is great. It's just a pure goal scorer's release, and he's six foot three. He's over two hundred pounds already, and he's fine. Honestly, I I don't think the numbers reflect his season, and and I don't think that the fact that he's been dropped down a couple lines here and there, or that he's been scratched, you know, last weekend, I I don't think that's really concerning for me. What I see is a player that they're trying to work with. They know his potential. They're being patient with. There's no rush for him. And that speaks to the, the depth in Providence and also the, the depth in the NHL from the Bruins. They have this luxury to actually develop their players at their own pace when they're ready. I think Seneshin's going to end up, you know, 
piecing together a, a decent season offensively too. I think his numbers are going to increase towards the end of the season. He's getting close. You know, he, he's inches away on the ice, not yards. So he's 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 a good player, and and I I have no reason to believe that he won't be a NHL player for a long time. Yeah, uh, very well said. Um, my thing is is is, is I like to see these kids like like Senishin, um develop properly, and a year in the AHL is not a bad thing. Um, and and don't I, I don't get the people that that believe that he should, as a number one pick, be in the NHL now. It's just, there's certain players like that. Like McAvoy was very fortunate. That kid is just an unbelievable player. Um, unfortunate what happened to with his heart issues and so on. But you, you just can't expect every first-round pick to be in the NHL uh, as soon as possible. It, they need to, to learn. They need to learn the system. Uh, Jay Leach is a, a fantastic coach, first-year coach. I think he's, uh, he's really... Uh, gaining more confidence in uh, in Zach uh, in his play, I've even seen Zach play the point on a power play and like uh, like the Ovechkin role, you know. And and I thought it was fantastic the way he was uh, he moved around. And it, 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 I mean, he, the, you you hit the head right on the nail when you said that just give it time. I mean, he's going to get better, and that's the only thing that we can expect from him. And sooner or later, the uh, the Bruins are going to need a right a right winger with his size and skill. So uh, just be patient, people. That's all. Um, the last one I got for you, and I'll let you go. And, I, and I, again, I really appreciate you uh, giving us some time today. Uh, is Anders Bjork, and you had a fantastic um, interview with him. I believe it was after his first game, um, and he's he's only got four points in eight games. I'm not I'm not overly critical about his numbers down there he needs to work I mean he, obviously he's up with the Bruins now because of the Marchand uh, in, uh, suspension but uh, what I got from that interview that you did with him was uh, confidence and um, he, a willingness to accept the demotion uh, and, and accept that he needs to work on some things um, and and positive. He was very positive and just didn't sound down. He doesn't look like he's. It looks like he's having fun on the bench down there and uh, and 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 wants to work on things and uh, and and hasn't, you know, taken this as a, as a bad as a bad thing. Um, how do you feel about his uh, his role down in the baby bees and how he's used? Um, I I love the player first off i mean i think he's just an elite caliber player and he's going to be a top six forward for a long time in the nhl i mean he's he's got everything you need in you need in a high-end player um when he was demoted yeah i i, I got a, a chance to talk to him and, and interview and and obviously that that's a player that we've seen you know on on nesson and on tv and you know on the radio listening to interviews and you know from the main outlets but I wanted to interview him to get a feel for myself and just kind of see what he's like as a person because to me, character is a big part of scouting and a big part of player analysis. So when I talked to him, you know, as you said, he's, he's mature and he's, he's happy to work. He wants to put in the hard work and he's very confident. You know, when you talk to him, he's very professional. He gets right down to business. He knows what we need and he knows what he needs to do. And his answers are great. He's very courteous, nice, polite person. And, you know, you can really see where the character comes into play and why he's been in a leadership role on his past teams. You know, tremendous player and, and a better person. So 
his role in Providence, you know, it, it seems like once again, this is a player they know that can score. You know, they've seen him score at, at a, you know, almost half a point per game clip in the NHL. So they know he can score. And, you know, the first few games you saw him down there, he was just on a tear. And then it seemed to me as though they wanted him to focus more on some things like getting in the corners and being more consistent and, you know, maybe making a smarter play here and there with the puck and not having a turnover when he can avoid it easily. So the past few games, you know, he's he's been uh, up and down the lineup. And now he's with Boston, of course. But, you know, his last few games in Providence, I think, have, have directly translated to what we saw from him last night in Ottawa. And it was a more consistent effort, skating hard with a purpose, you know, maybe keeping the finesse stuff really contained a bit and focusing on a simpler game, which I don't necessarily agree with saying he should do that for his whole career or, or in the future because he's he's got the tools and, and he's got the confidence with his skill set to actually be one of those high-end finesse guys you watch. So his role with the Providence Bruins has been nothing more than a development role. You know, it's another player in the barrel who's going down there and working on things he's not exactly proficient in. And if he is proficient in them, trying to get him to get to the next step of that. So I think he's a tremendous player, and I, I love what I've seen and heard from him down in Providence. And that's another case where the stats aren't really justifying how good he's been. You know, he's a force on the ice every time he's out there. And, you know, the last few games in Providence, he hasn't really scored much. So a lot of people are looking at that as a picture saying, oh, well, you know, look at this. He's half a point per game down there, too. Okay, well, he's also in a league of his own there. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's another case of, of stats not really quantifying what the player actually is achieving. And I, I think uh, Anders Bjork is a tremendous player. You know, that's just the bottom line there. And, and I'm excited to watch him in the future here in Boston. All right. Thank you so much, Anthony. Uh, please, uh, if, if anybody needs anything Providence Bruins, please check this guy out. I cannot speak highly enough of him. He's at Bruins Network on Twitter. And please follow his blog. He does a great job writing at um, BruinsNetwork.com. Anthony, thank you very much, dude. I'd really love to have you on again because uh, you really bring a lot of good insight and, and knowledge from uh, from your eye test and what you see down there covering the baby bees. Yeah, thank you, Mark. And, you know, thanks to the uh, Black and Gold Park podcast crew for having me on. And, you know, my uh, only message to any potential to any potential followers or, you know, newcomers is that just uh, be patient with the site. It's a work in progress, and I got some good things headed your way in 2018. So thanks for having me on, Mark. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I look forward to uh, to what you have and um, what you can um, um, provide for us. So, again, Anthony, thank you for your time, and uh, take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold. 277 at Court Lalonde and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.